Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Around the World. Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Stewart. Joining me on this evening, David Luzader. How are you? I am doing well. Excited to discuss a movie that I've seen multiple times throughout the years and have some thoughts on and got to bring to this podcast. So, yay. I'm excited. This was your pick. But before we introduce that, let's introduce our other co-host, Nicole Davis. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to talk about this. Uh, most recent viewing brought up some some things where I said, oh, 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 we need to talk about this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. this was a fresh one for me. I This is the continuing series of David in particular introducing me to Kung Fu movies, uh, albeit this was much different than the other Kung Fu movies we watched because it's a comedy. Uh, Kung Fu Hustle. It came out in 2004. Before we talk about that, next week is You Did This to Us. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, it is too late to vote. You missed your chance. We record way ahead of time, and we put these opportunities on our Facebook and Twitter pages. Just search Movie Go Round, and you will find us there. You need to go and follow those pages. That way you can vote. You typically have four or five days to vote. We do it every five weeks, and you get to pick the movie that we are watching. And, oh, boy, do you really pick some interesting ones. <laughs> so, next week, Future Me, who is aware of what we're watching and has probably already suffered it, is going to tell you what we're watching right now. We will be watching Jurassic Galaxy. Ugh, thanks for that one. And that's what we'll be watching. So, hopefully, you picked something good. But David had the opportunity to pick this week for Around the World Kung Fu Hustle. In a town ruled by the Axe Gang, small time Crook Singh desperately wants to become a member. When he tries to intimidate the residents of a slum ruled by eccentric landlords, he discovers that several of the inhabitants are secret Kung Fu masters. Singh joins the Axe Gang support. Oh, sorry, Singh gains the Axe Gang support, and the gang and slumlords engage in an explosive Kung Fu battle. You'd have to be some kind of natural-born Kung Fu genius to come out the winner. Good thing he might be. Uh, <laughs> so this was an interesting movie for me. David, why did you pick it? Uh, well, as you mentioned earlier, I had been using this as an opportunity to introduce you, Brett, to some Kung Fu films, uh, martial arts films of of the ages. This was one that I kept wanting to bring on here, but... Uh, I wanted to wait because it, it, it comes on and off Netflix all the time. So I wanted to wait until you had seen some other ones um, and then for it to be readily, readily available. And also I just, I, I really enjoy this movie. Uh, and on top of that, there was another reason I was going to say, but I've completely blanked on it. So uh, <laughs> anyway, this, this movie, Kung Fu Hustle, I wanted to watch it and we watched it. Yes, we did. Now, this was the first time I had seen a kung fu movie that is half comedy, arguably all comedy. (laughs) Um, But I do want to give it credit where credit is due, and this is in our docket as well, that it's more homage than parody because the fight scenes are actually very well done. And they are. There's some really incredible fight scenes here, albeit fight scenes that are more cartoonish and zany and overtly CGI and kind of obtuse in crazy ways than something, you know, like the raid. But there's still some really incredible Kung Fu happening. Yeah. No, they're, they're tinged with 
a bit of unreality through all of them. Um, but there is still just, there is so much well choreographed uh, Kung Fu in here that is, is it's just really enjoyable. I remember the first time I saw this movie, uh, I was, I saw it in the theaters and my mom and stepdad afterwards, I, I went and sat with my friend uh, too. They we were all in the theater together and they're like, well, we thought the movie was so much funnier than you guys thought it was. And I was like, because it's like partially a legitimate martial arts film. Yeah. Like there's, there's the fights I found very entertaining, but not really funny. Well, isn't it, wasn't it Yen Wo Ping doing the fight choreography? Uh, I do not remember. You should check that. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I watched the special features. Um, you know, it was choreographer Yuan, but that's a fairly common family name in China. Um, and he was saying how difficult it was to stage these kung fu battles because so much of what people were fighting against was invisible. Right. <laughs> yeah. People had to use their imaginations. <laughs> yeah, Yun, Yun Moon Ping was the uh, choreographer, and it seemed like there was also some help from uh, Samo Hung. Oh, well. <laughs> Yun Moon Ping, yeah, he was the fight choreographer for The Matrix. Um, yes. And Samo Hung is Tiger, a, a veteran of... Uh, Hong Kong action cinema um, and he's he's fantastic we should definitely do a, a movie with Sam Hung in it at some point yeah and a lot of this this stuff here is drawn from we're, I mean, we're going to talk about all of the inspiration and references to this movie because there are a million yes uh, a number of them readily apparent to uh, Western audiences, but also a number that wouldn't be because they're send ups of these old, like 50s, 60s, and 70s kung fu films, like like, uh, like Wuxia, or how do you pronounce it? Uh, I, I think it's Wuxia. The, I think it's the yeah. one with like the flying people flying with the power of their key, you know, yes, up in the air to <laughs> exactly. hit each other. Uh, also, just remembered the other thing that I was going to say of why I picked this movie because Bill Murray, uh, within the within recent memory, called this one of the funniest movies ever made. So, or he called it an, an achievement in comedy. Let me let's phrase it that way. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, I read an interesting article on this where it said, as and so the writer of it, and forgive me, I totally forgot where it was from, so I can't can't credit them. Said. Uh, this is a fantastic movie if you're just getting into Kung Fu because it's so zany and fun and wild. But you're also going to catch those references that Westerners can naturally catch. And you're going to miss out on a ton of deep cuts of Kung Fu, which I feel like you guys are catching. And I'm they're going right over my head. But I mean... Oh, there's a ton I don't get. There's so much stuff layered in here. But there's so many... And, and I looked them up online because I wanted to make sure I, I wasn't going crazy. But there's so many lines from Western movies that they just mm-hmm. lift. You know, when Donut yep. dies, oh, Donut's death. You know, this could be the end of a, of a beautiful friendship. That's from Casablanca. Or when the, or when the, uh, the Beast says, I'll, I can make you an offer you cannot refuse from The Godfather. Um, there's uh, a, and great power lies great responsibility. You know? Yeah, I <laughs> did that. Uh, there are a ton of those lines. Um, we, we shall see for whom the bells toll. Like, they, they pulled uh, a what ton are you- of... 
what are you prepared to do from the untouchables? I mean, there's so many. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So that, that kind of blew my mind and I really enjoyed that part of it. It was really fun and crazy. Um, and I joked about it in Slack, and I put a Grease meme when in reality it's more of a West Side Story thing. The whole, you know, the uh, the Axe gang comes in and just has kind of an impromptu dance number at the beginning of this movie. And that's really the only time anyone dances. It's kind of great. Well, the yeah. leader of the Axe gang really loves dancing and just sort of throws in little dancey movements. Right, but then the entire gang dances with him. Yeah, the the axe gang is so weird. In <laughs> so a really people. In a really kind of like a fun way cuz they start off and like yeah, they they're obviously a little bit cruel and sadistic, but they're not particularly like good fighters it seems. There's just a lot of them and they have axes. Yeah. <laughs> Which to be <laughs> fair, I wonder do you need to be Right, you right. Axe, you have an axe. You know? Yeah. Uh what I one thing I love so much. Now, I shouldn't. I shouldn't say that. A, a bit that I think is really funny at the beginning of this movie is it opens up like a really typical gangster film. You know, you have the the crocodile gang invading the the police. Uh, I'm calling what 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 the police office? I guess police I don't know. Station. Police station. Thank you. I don't know why I couldn't think of the word station. <laughs> uh, and and they leave, and the axe gang attacks them. You know, and the one survivor is the crocodile gang leader's wife. And he's like, ah, oh, don't worry. I'm not, I wouldn't ever hurt a woman. And then as soon as she turns around, he just gets a shotgun and blasts her comically across the screen. It's just, it's such a weird comedic beat that I think is super effective to show like, okay, these guys are cartoon villains. That's what, like, that's what we're dealing with here. Yeah. yeah it's It's so strange. It's just, it's, this is like the signal to strap in here because they're, you know, the springing the crocodile gangs uh, leader from the police station. There's a lot of violence involved. They're assaulting police officers. They're dragging him out. He comes outside. They, you know, they get into a battle with the ax gang and the, the leader's wife is left and she's, terrified and staring at the axe gang leader and there's this close-up of her face staring at him and she is just this utterly beautiful woman with like this you know doll-like face with her makeup done perfectly and these big tearful eyes and this is such a you know it's such a movie trope that it's like the the beautiful crying woman is always you know, they always take mercy, have mercy on her and let her go. And he's like, nope, boom, you know, as soon as her back is turned. And it's just telling the audience, we can do anything. Right. We're going to do whatever we feel like doing in this movie. So just get ready. Yeah, because it's it's kind of playing with that beginning idea of, oh, the gangsters have codes of honor. Uh, and they're not... Yeah, they're, no. Yeah, they're never gonna they're never gonna hurt women. But also like that the violence in this movie is going to be really in your face without ever being like gory. But there are some scenes that genuinely like when when uh, when Stephen Chow is full of knives and oh his buddy his buddy pulls the one out and then sticks it back in his arm. Every time I go, oh, that's a very it reminded me of like Mel Brooks. Yeah, like that yes. reminded me of, Young of Frankenstein, where he keeps getting caught in the wall. <laughs> yes, 
see for me that was OJ getting beat up in the uh, in the as as a police officer in the Naked Gun when he's just falling all over the brig, just completely you know falling into a pie and then getting his fingers shut and stuff. Uh, oddly, I have a totally different association between OJ and knives. I can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mention it on this podcast. We tweet the stuff out, and he will threaten us on Twitter. Um, yeah, no, I. I I kind of like the Naked Gun movies, but no OJ. Let's not let's not get into that. Um, in any case, though, what really also kind of interests me was that the comedy's also kind of slapstick. Uh, like there are scenes oh, yeah. where you hear the the cat's meow when someone falls off screen, and you hear you know a guy throw something in the distance, and of course it lands and you know creates all this ruckus. And these are really Three Stooges esque comedy gimmicks that are dabbled throughout oh. kung fu it's well, it's yeah go, and it's not ahead. just the cat yowling it's it's not just a cat yelling it's the cat yowling it's the very identifiable one that you'll <laughs> sure. hear you've heard over and over again in tv shows and movies with the real you know yeah yeah right there's there's so much of this that is a cartoon the the landlord early on his wife catches him trying to kind of peep in on the women and you know, she beats him up and then chucks him out the window and his fall down as he bounces off a couple of awnings, uh, lands face first in the street, completely fine, unharmed. And then a, a flower pot just drops on his head and breaks, but the, the soil and the flower stay perfectly upright. And it is, it is, it is a cartoon. And that is even before the, uh, the road runner chase scene, Oh, the landlady and sing. What a scene. <laughs> it's yeah. so great. It's so great. So so for the viewers, this is a scene where this this landlady that just has unreserved power to a ridiculous degree, apparently, um, chases Sing out of town and uh and it ensues in front of a green screen with their feet, you know, rotating like Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. And and it yeah. ends with her splatting on a on a billboard yes. to the point where like her bra somehow comes off. I don't know, but it's a cartoon. It is. It totally is. And also, there's so much CGI that is not good, and I think that's actually a good thing because it kind of endears this movie to me when there is ridiculous CGI, like uh, the scene when the beast separates the floorboards you know does this ridiculous smash down and separates the floorboards and the house blows wide open and it looks so bad that it just completes it for me <laughs> i almost don't want it to look that realistic i want it to look cartoonish to align with everything else happening in the movie well the good stuff you don't notice they saved the really yeah. good detail work for like the backgrounds for where people were going to smash through walls. Say. Right. That looks like, you know, the person shaped hole in the wall because they've put in a digital wall with the textures all correct. Sure. So, yeah. And I, I think part of it too, is this is 2004 is when this mm -hmm. movie came out. Yeah. Yeah. And 15 years. Yeah. Especially also in, uh, America has always kind of been at the front runner of, digital effects of special effects. Uh, so I, I think 
especially i mean what we watched about this we've watched a, another what was the other movie the the what is catching up man well, Weta is, yeah, but like the the Phantom of the Opera thing that I that we watched. Oh yeah, Phantom of the Theater. Phantom of the Theater <laughs> is another, you know, is another Asian production of more recent memory, and I would say better CGI than this, but still noticeable at times. Uh, but also, Stephen Chow is not opposed to using CGI in any of his films, and I think like it, there is a little bit of of a charm to it, kind of as as Brett said. Uh, but he never like, I don't know. He uses it so much with an effectiveness to his style. I mean, it's all over Shaolin soccer. It's all over the mermaid. Uh, another great movie. I might try to get on this podcast. Oh, the, mermaid at some point. Bananas. the mermaid, the mermaid has one of the few scenes that I laughed so hard. I cried in it, <laughs> but that's, it's, it's just who he is. And I don't know. There's an earnestness to it that, yes. that I think totally eliminates you get what he's trying to do. He's not trying to be the best at it. It's not all hinging on the CGI, but it is just like, you're like, oh yeah, I'm your, your world is so rich. I'm with you on this journey, whatever it looks oh, like. Yeah. He loves movies and he loves making movies and you can tell. Yes. So question, does the Kung Fu community have anything to say about how, and I say this because a lot of art forms get, similar criticism when they make alterations uh, in CGI or otherwise music, whatever. Um, there's a lot of Kung Fu that happens in this movie that is physically impossible. <laughs> and I'm not just talking yeah. about shooting people, you know, a mile in the air. I'm talking about scenes where, you know, guys like, will, when they punch each other in their faces, like, melt weird well, ways. I, I'm thinking even more of like the physical moves of, for example, in the in the opening fight scene of the movie when you have these two guys in the village that no one really knew were incredible kung fu artists you know one of them flies into a wall and then grabs like a stick off the wall and balances on the stick and kicks himself back and it's like flying forward with it in front of him and these things oh the wire work yeah these things well uh, so much of it's physically impossible and i wondered are there kung fu are there purists are purists pissed well, off at this movie? <laughs> well, no, because no. because wire work is a classic thing in in martial arts films. Uh, okay. okay, flying 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 around in these films has been around for a long time. Okay. Even even not like flying around, even just like hitting someone and they flip backwards and do some amazing stunt. Uh, no, uh, okay. especially especially in a movie like this, people are going to be a lot more forgiving. I say that because yeah, in I my mean, limited, oh, I, you know, in my limited exposure, basically this, Ip Man, and the Raid, <laughs> those are far more realistic than this is. Oh yeah. So, but but Ip Man, especially some of the later movies, uh, have some very heavy wire work where people are yeah. doing some pretty impossible things. I guess so, and I guess I guess you also have to separate. I think kung fu from uh cinematic kung fu right it seems like they're very different things in a way it's a, a lot of this it's much more kung fu acting than kung fu practice mm-hmm. right you know like the actor playing the beast is not a, a renowned martial artist he's a renowned kung fu film actor yes the, the moves are very showy they are very dramatic and big. 
versus actual actual fights which don't last very long and uh, <laughs> you get, not. you get you get tired very quickly <laughs> yeah these are you know this is this is something the kung fu in this movie when it's not done for comic effect um is much more of a homage there's a hong kong film studio called shaw brothers and they put out a ton of kung fu movies in the late 60s and all through the 70s that are, they were relatively cheap. They all used and reused the same wigs, uh, <laughs> especially on the men, yeah. you know, where it looks like the hair is pulled back, and but it's all long in the back <laughs> and whatnot. Um, and I just watched one yesterday. Yeah, yesterday I watched The One-Armed Swordsman. Um, which features something that's in this movie, which is the learning secret kung fu moves from a book. Yes, oh, the two the two cent book he bought for ten dollars for ten whatever his life savings. So right. sad, so very uh, sad. The, and a bunch of the actors too. To go back to it, a bunch of the actors in this movie are people from the seventies, and you know from from the era this movie is sending up. Uh, like the landlord and the landlady and, you know, like the beast as previously mentioned. And like some of them really, some of them have very extensive uh, filmographies. Uh, you know, the, the, the landlord, uh, Yuen Hua has his, his uh, filmography has its own Wikipedia page. That's how extensive it is. <laughs> but some of them have, you know, have worked a little bit through the seventies and eighties and didn't really appear in much. And then this movie kind of in like a Tarantino esque way, like brought them back and gave them the chance to do these things. I get, didn't get to do for a while. It's cool. Yeah. And actually I, I mentioned this in our chat. Um, we've had a whole conversation on a previous show and I can't remember which about how much I dislike things being compared to Quentin Tarantino because <laughs> It's just a scapegoat of like, oh, it's crazy and very bloody. It's like Quentin Tarantino. Um, but I still couldn't help but sitting through this movie and I was like, where are you, Quentin? Because it has <laughs> some of those hallmarks of zaniness that he loves, you know? And uh, I thought that was really cool in this movie. Um, and there's a ton of homages. I want to get through some of them as long as we're talking about West Western filmmakers and all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of, so we have Warner brother cartoons listed here. That is for sure. What the Roadrunner and what else? Oh, yeah. uh, uh, the, the, I mean, like the, the flower pot thing, I flower think pot I thing. Sure. Yeah, the flower pot thing. Uh, when the landlady smacks into the billboard. Right. Yeah. Sure. What about, what about Buster Keaton? Buster Keaton. It's more like innovative stunt work. Okay. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, and there's uh, there's a number of I mean, we mentioned some of the lines of dialogue that got referenced. So many, uh, so many, so so many. <laughs> uh, Tomorrow is another day, which is a line from Gone with the Wind. Right. <laughs> uh, but do you also have things like the 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 wave of blood coming out of the cell door, which yeah. is straight out of The Shining, Shining. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he he references his own work with Shaolin soccer right at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's sort of a nice little poke at that. And um, I, I know, I think as well mentioned in our docket, uh, Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee all over this movie, especially towards the end. Well, I mean, yeah. especially the, um, the woman playing the landlady when she's in the car 
like sitting mm. behind between the two guys in the back seat and she oh, turns God. to one and gives him this menacing look and curls her fingers up into a fist <laughs> and you can hear all her knuckles crack you know that's a very bruce lee intimidation move and that yeah. she was directed to do that to so was like think bruce lee you know just to really channel that and uh he, that, that look in your eye yeah and the outfit sings wearing at the end is what Bruce Lee yeah. was wearing enter the dragon um but th- that scene in the car i want to go back to that for a second real quick because oh, that so it's like a minute of silence but so much happens that is just so great uh when when all the axe gang members rush up to the car and they're like what are you doing give us a minute get out of here because they're suddenly terrified of these two people yeah, and let's talk about the what is I'm blanking on the name of the move. There's several there's several mythical moves that kung fu moves that get broken out throughout well, this. Ev- everyone's a master of their own style. Everyone's a master of their own style, but but That's there's another one from Shaw Brothers, you know. They've got the ones that are movies that are devoted to different styles. They've got stuff like Eight Diagram Pole Fighter. And the yep. five deadly venoms, and each of those five fighters has their own distinct style or weapon or both. <laughs> yeah, the the twelve kicks technique from the Tam school. Right. Well, there's also <laughs> these incredible uses of just zany CGI. There's there's the landlady's what's it called? Where is she? The lion's roar. The, the lion's, lion's roar. roar. Oh, that's a hell of a move. That's straight out of Mortal Kombat. Oh, <laughs> and, one uh, of the- I, I absolutely love when they knock off the top of the bell and he holds it up for her and she's about to yell yeah. into it. There's just like that, that wide shot. Thanks to Benga. Benga loves that it. Wide shot of, of him holding the bell and her just like you, her face is framed in it is so good. Yeah. And he's holding the bell up. Like he's like, he's got a, uh, a bazooka on his right. shoulder. Right. Oh, it's so cool. And there's also a really ridiculous move. There's the, I'm going to turn into a frog thing. I yeah. forget what it's called. <laughs> yeah. Can we unpack the, the, that? Because that was the beast at the end. That was something <laughs> that was unexpected. I did not expect him to start elongating his face in a, you know, frog amphibian like fashion and start flying. Yeah. 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 Oh, we've got to, we've got to put some Wusha films on the, on the list here. Clearly, yeah, clearly yes. this is my first exposure to anything that looks remotely like this. Um, well, yeah, the animal, it's kind of a play of the whole of the different animal styles, you know, like crane technique right. and snake and all that. Just taken to an extreme where he actually turns into a giant frog. Yeah. So one thing I really loved uh, that's also just kind of ridiculous, the axe gang as a whole, and they're these guys, you know, they're walking around, they have their axes, they have their top hats, and what I found particularly fascinating about them is that the Axe Gang is based on a real-life Axe Gang in Shanghai around the Japanese occupation. And this was something that was real. They seemed to terrorize people and happened to have axes some of the time to varying degrees. But what really made it so mythical and so part of lore, especially in Kung Fu movies, has been that movies have been using a version of the axe gang that looks very much like this with axes and top hats since the early seventies. And they've all had kind of their own rendition of what this looks like all the way from the, you know, the boxer of Shantun is the first instance of it through Kung Fu hustle all the way to most recently, um, Snowpiercer. 
And I thought that was really cool. I can tell you, Boxer from Shantung is on Amazon Prime if you want to go watch that. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, and there's a but, ton of um, them. There's like there's like 15 movies that it's it's interesting to me. It is a it's a fictional well, representation of a real gang that has similar traits through all of these movies. But I mean, think of American movies that involve the mafia. Say, that's a good point. You know that people have very preconceived notions about what what the mafia is, what they do, how they do it, how they behave, how they dress. Yeah. I guess you know, it's just so specific. Stereotypical. It's yeah, so specific. It's, They're it, wearing top hats and all these, you know. <laughs> it's 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 like more than just like I'm a big Italian man. It's just like they're wearing well, top I mean, hats. You know, Italian man with greased slicked back hair and in yeah. a very you know dapper suit. No, and, you all we all picture like you know James Gandolfini, and I, I get what you're saying. I totally, you're totally right. And yeah. maybe that's just me looking from the outside in, right? Uh, that's yeah. That's rad. I, I thought that was so cool. It actually, for some reason, makes me want to watch more things with the Axe Gang, because I think they're the most bizarre thing. <laughs> it's just so weird to me, and I love their ridiculous tattoos that they have. Um, of the, the two axes. Yes, the two them. axes. What is what is Sing's friend's name? I'm, I'm, there's, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, I don't... I, That's I don't, helping I don't him... Much that, that poor guy, oh, though. A variety of things. Most of right. the variants of chubby... <laughs> right. They call him a variety of things, but his entrance into the movie when these two come into town and are pretending to be part of the axe gang and he has this giant crossed axe tattoo on his belly as they're cutting his hair. And I knew right away this yeah. movie was going to be so weird when he's just like, you cut it too nice. Like, way too nice. Yeah. You're try- Are you trying to make well, fun of him? he's looking for an excuse to not pay for the haircut. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, and, the, and the subsequent just- scene. Ooh, the subsequent scene. Who's going to fight me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Talk about that in a sec. Brett, if you want to watch another great movie that features the Axe Gang, Legend of Drunken Master. Go watch that. Uh, That'll probably show up on here at some point as well. But the the scene when uh, when Singh is trying to challenge anybody in the town and everyone he calls up could kick his ass (laughs) in some way is always pretty good. Uh, he starts off with the woman, the farmer woman who comes up and punches him so hard. He's bleeding from the mouth. Yeah. Uh, you have the, the, the short guy who ends up being a really tall guy sitting down. Then the two <laughs> really buff people. One of them is a child. <laughs> yeah. The really buff old man. And then the really buff little kid. I like the yes. buff little kid that actually has kind of like the squeaky rubber suit noise when he moves. <laughs> yeah. The so sound, good. the sound effects in this movie, everything is, really overdone yes. kind of going back to the whole cartoon thing and again i think too great effect also the music is incredible i don't know if you guys were really listening to, to the to the points of music where yeah. they yeah. especially when they when they drop the whole gimmick of all these crazy things happening and focus on sing and his you know his little internal struggle about you know what he wants to do and how he wants to be part of this gang, but he doesn't want to kill anybody and all this sort of stuff. Whenever they have these like existential moments of him where it's just him, there's these beautiful scores and they're really, really nice. Yeah. yeah that- he was very, he, he was very determined that it would have uh, a more traditional, a more Chinese traditional sound mm-hmm. yeah. than a Western orchestra kind of sound. And that, that goes back to Stephen Chow's not making a farce. He's making a, a good movie that, 
you know, that is really it has well some thought out elements in it. Right. It, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It does. But he didn't sit out and like, he's not like, ah, oh, well, it's all just a comedy. So it's all going to be silly. Ah, who really like, who really cares? Fart jokes. Uh, <laughs> he's, you know, he's like, I love movies. I love martial arts films. Let's make a martial arts movie that happens to be funny. Yeah. And I think yeah, that's important got, to know. Melodrama in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole story with him and the the girl with the lollipop. Oh, the mute girl. I think her name is Fong. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's so sweet. Why was she carrying this thing around that long? Because it's a memento of when somebody stood up for her. But yeah, does she just carry a- it in a box everywhere she goes? Yes. Well, her life is that cart. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay. Um, so Kung Fu Hustle. Let's also talk about some of the problematic things with Kung Fu Hustle. It is, it's great. And I think we're already much along with enjoying it and talking about how much we enjoyed it. But the Taylor, let's talk about the Taylor. Nicole, I'll hand it off to you. Taylor, the Taylor and the hairdresser. Mm-hmm. Mm, the hairdresser. Yeah. The, uh, the hair. The depiction of homosexuality has this bum hanging out for most of the movie. It's it's very like how Western culture depicted homosexuality like 35, 40 years ago. Yeah, not that long, unfortunately, like the 80s and the 90s. Right, right. Yeah. Had some stuff along this line. Um, Yeah, I mean, the, the tailor, he's just he's just playing it like a, I don't even know what he's doing quite. It's (laughs) like, he's doing the, the sissy act. Yeah. He, he's, he gets called a fairy throughout the movie by the landlady. He's playing up very flamboyant, uh, which really like, like if that was just how he was would be fine. But the fact that they're very obviously being like, Oh look, he's gay. And this is what gay people are like. Yeah. It's not, it's not confident flamboyant. Right. (laughs) You know, when you, when you meet, I, I have met several, you know, flamboyant gay men in my time and they are quite confident in who they are. And they're just like, this is me. Take it or leave it. Here you go, you know, and he's very like, oh, my, you know, oh my, my delicate sensibilities have been offended, and you know, Dad runs right. off. He runs over and like goes to the pillar, and then, yeah, and it looks like it was, it's kind of a shame because I think the opening scene where he's seen with the landlord has like a kind like has like I don't know this. But when he's just when you don't when he's just being a little bit flamboyant and they have this little fun moment of like poking each other and just having like a good good time. It's like, oh, okay, it's kind of endearing. And oh no, he's just a stereotype. Oh no. (laughs) Well, with with the exception that he is an awesome kung fu fighter. Yes, you know, like master of the iron rings, which is a traditional kung fu weapon. Mm -hmm. Does it make those kind of sounds though? (laughs) I don't think so. That's I don't another think it instance would in real of it life, being, but it does in the movies. Yes, very, yeah. very overly well, exaggerated in the sound you effect also probably department. Couldn't, you probably couldn't also slap a table and they would all fly into the air <laughs> and land on your arms, but it sure looks cool. Yeah, it did look very, very cool. And that actually brings me to my, my next discussion topic here. Unless there's anything else we want to touch on, it's problematic. Probably should have done I, it. I do, well, I do want to say it is unfortunate because I think there is a number of of Asian media, even outside of China, where 
where gay people don't have a good representation. There's an, an anime out right now called One Punch Man, which is a pretty good anime, except there is one character, uh, Puri Puri Prisoner, who is very flamboyant and uh, is in jail because if he sees an attractive man, he has to attack him. And there's a fight where he's getting bolstered on because all of these attractive boys are, are shouting for him. And it's just, it's, it's not great at all. It's really problematic. Uh, Yeah. Which is a little strange sometimes because there's a, well, I'm, Maybe not so much in China. In Japan, there's much more of this acceptance of this sort of androgynous, yeah, um, aesthetic. And there is there is some stuff like like uh, Yuri on Ice is uh, a very popular, <laughs> very popular anime that is pretty, up, you know, upfront about what it's about. Uh, yeah, for- uh, Yuri and Yaoi are are uh, same sex uh, romantic yeah. animes. Let's say, yeah. yeah, but it is straight up called Yuri on Ice, and there are there are some animes where that is kind of at the forefront. But then you also still have characters like Puri Puri Prisoner, and yeah. you know K dramas have a thing where it's like you you can hint or joke about two characters being in a same sex relationship, but I don't I don't know of any. But that, if they really uh, are, it's tragic. Or, yeah, or it's just like it's mentioned once and then never talked about again. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's like, gosh, that's a shame. Yep. You know? Well, that's, and that's the barrier. That's the barrier gaze trope that also pervades Western media a lot of the time, too. Now, another topic to move us along I wanted to discuss as well is. I'm still unclear about probably a third of this story. And well, I think you weren't that's paying attention t- then, Brent. No, <laughs> no, 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 because it is so overloading the movie. I, it is a movie where the, the story is very simple. Like I get it. I get what I get what Singh's trying to do. I understand uh, you know, the, the subplot with the axe gang and, and the town and all that makes sense to me. I guess what I'm saying is it becomes so backseat to all the action and all the intensity and all the comedy that that I just don't care about it that much. I just want to see what's going to happen next because it's whatever semblance of a story there is, I'm just kind of letting them throw stuff at me right now because it's well, so all over the place in a good way. Well, it's, it's Kung Fu films. You need a reason for two characters to punch each other. Most of the time, <laughs> especially in, in Wuxia stories, it is, I want to be the best fighter. Right. Yes, I want to prove that my school is better than your school. So yep. let's fight. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of what it does become at the end when you have uh, the landlord and landlady fighting the the beast. But I, uh, I love their little conversation before it just starts. And he's like, I don't really care about them. I just want to see if you guys are as good as I hear you are. Right. Yeah, the beast is is just as happy to either kill them or be, or killed, be killed by, by them, them as long yep. as he gets to fight them. <laughs> so Lovely. he just wants the challenge yep. he wants somebody who's a real challenge to his abilities now so. have you guys seen the english dub of this and i know dub is heresy and none of us i assume watched it <sighs> oh but have you seen yes it and no. i haven't seen the dubbed version of this but i do tend to watch the shaw brothers movies dubbed rather than in the original Chinese with subtitles, 
just because that's sort of part of the tradition of watching those movies here in the U.S. is watching mm-hmm. the versions. That's part of the the grindhouse theater experience where they were shown a lot of the time. Yeah, and I I'm not a dub fan for a lot of stuff, uh, but I also don't disparage anybody who goes for the dub because whatever you're more comfortable with, right? Whichever, whatever's going to make watching the movie more enjoyable for you. Or yeah, if you want to focus more on the Kung Fu, then, yeah. you know, the, the story elements, then yeah, you right. don't need to have the subtitles in the way of that. The story will pretty much be the same. I mean, maybe the acting won't be as great. It'll maybe a little bit stilted, but I think in general, that's gotten a lot better. Well, that's the reason I ask those because in, in this particular, in this particular movie, the English dubbing and English subtitles are almost entirely different scripts. While in some places the phrasing might just be turned around, in other in others the whole entire line has either been rewritten or they have a different joke or there's a different reference. Yeah. So hmm. they actually well, edited this movie quite a bit for the dub audience. Well, localization's pretty common with dubs as well. Really, uh, the reference with references because you know they can make a reference that like. Oh yeah, the the Asian audience is going to get that, but if when they're dubbing it, they're going to change it to. You see this a lot with celebrities. Um, this is really common in anime as well. Uh, they'll they'll if they're making a specific joke about something and they relate it to a celebrity, they'll often change the the reference to an uh, American or English celebrity so that people get the joke. Right. Okay. Yeah. Or they'll they'll make sure that the joke has the same uh, the same thrust to it, but they might yeah. have to rephrase it or use an American idiom yeah, rather than... Yeah, some of that is like the cadence of speaking as well. Yeah. Now, do you know, does... Did, um, did Stephen Chow write the English dub? Because I know he does speak English fairly well. I'm actually not sure. You're hearing my my folly work now on my mechanical keyboard. <laughs> tappity, uh, tappity, tappity. Yeah, I'll find out. <laughs> I watched um, an interview, and while his his English is is halting at times, it's still you know perfectly understandable. And and you know, I watched this interview uh, conducted by a, an American reporter um, who apparently also spoke a smattering of Chinese, so they were able to puzzle things out that were sort of in between their understandings. Oh, oh, that's okay. awesome. Uh, as 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 Brett's trying to figure that out, I do <laughs> want to mention we talked about the references to other works in this film. If people want to go to the Kung Fu Hustle Wikipedia page, there's a whole section that is just references to other works. Now, is there is are there like specific references to Rabbit Tooth Jane, who is one of my favorite characters in this movie? Uh, I I don't know. I doesn't She's say anything. Sort of the uh, the one who's probably a sex worker. <laughs> Yeah, she's the one who can actually afford to like pay her rent and offers to pay other people's rent as well. Right. She's the one the landlord wangles a kiss from by standing right next to her. So when she turns... And then, she, oh, and then like, he has the... Oh, you're yeah, such oh. a scoundrel! And then he has, she has, he has those big, the, the big uh, uh, lipstick marks on his cheek for the rest of the scene. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel kind of bad for the actress because she's played several roles in which the character's name is like Bucktooth Jenny. And yeah, Rabbit she Tooth hasn't. I realize she hasn't been in a whole lot of stuff and a lot of it is along those lines. Poor girl. Yeah, but I thought she was great. Yeah. So, although not as good as the landlady. The landlady is uh, awesome. Oh, the landlady is so good. 
I mean, just just living up to the challenge of being able to deliver her lines and do all her actions with the cigarette dangling from her lips the whole time. <laughs> she's so she's so good. She reminds me so much of uh, the 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 mom from Malcolm in the Middle. Okay, I can yeah, see that. I can, I can, I can see, see that. that. So just a gruffness no to them. Yeah, that I really like. So the follow up here, I, I come back bearing knowledge. There are a couple differences here in varying cuts of the film. So for instance, when they, when they released it in the U S that apparently Sony tried to trim the movie to get a PG 13 rating instead of an R rating to release it in the U S. Mm-hmm. So they, they trimmed some of the violence and they also featured a ton of alternate shots of nonviolent scenes. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's really any questionable like nudity or anything like that. There's really not. So I'm not entirely sure no. what those changes would have been, but apparently they exist. Now, what ended up happening was despite these changes, the MPAA was like, nah, this is still an R movie because it's 2004. So they still got the R rating, which they were frustrated by, but also didn't want to have to pay to resubmit it again to the MPAA. So they just ran it with R all the same. (laughs) Um, So they basically cut stuff and edited stuff for absolutely no reason. Now, additionally, this was... When this was released, it was purchased by Miramax for distribution in the United States. It was held off the market for two years, cut by 30 minutes in the U.S. cut, and it was undubbed. So this was actually dubbed and ready for Western audiences. And then Harvey Weinstein made the decision to replace the English subtitles and bring in subtitles. Hmm. Thank you, Roger Ebert. So yeah. I also love Roger Ebert's reviews back from back in the day because he's like his other film seen by me is Shaolin Soccer and uh, links out that <laughs> he liked these movies. I'll give him that. Um, yeah. Never mind that Stephen Chow has made so many movies in China that it's great. You know, we've only heard of like four of them over here. Yeah. And he's, he's getting to this phase in his career where he's starting to revisit work and work on sequels, uh, which Yep. I, I don't know. We'll see when this one. Yeah, I was gonna say we'll we'll see when those start coming out. This is a, the sequel for this. Apparently, is going to be set in modern day. Uh, okay. It's going to be it's going to be more of a spiritual successor. So he might cameo in the film, uh, but it's not going to be a direct sequel to the first one. I was gonna say it would have to be a, a spiritual sequel because he, unless it was set, you know, fifteen years later, because he's. Well, I mean, he's playing a younger character in the movie anyway, because he and the yeah. girl are supposed to be the same age, but he was like 43 when they <laughs> made this, and she was 25. Yeah, he's like, he's, he's, he's pushing like 60. 60 now. He's almost 60 now, yeah. He, but he's, he's uh, making, or has made a sequel to From Beijing with Love, uh, and he's making a, The Mermaid 2, another Journey to the West, I think. Excellent. Uh, well, okay, so you know he's not uh, he he's just producing some of the journey to the west stuff, but yeah, he's uh, he's revisiting his his movies. Very cool. I and guess. another thing I want to revisit here again, as long as I'm kind of reading this Roger Ebert review, there's some really good insight here I want to share. Um, he says Stephen Chow uses concealed wire special effects 
trick camera angles, trampolines, and anything else he knows of. We know it. Uh, we know it, and he knows we know it. But the trickery doesn't diminish his skill, because despite all the wires and effects in the world, a martial arts actor must be a superb athlete. Hang your average movie star on the end of a wire, and he'll look like he's just been ruled in by the Pequod. Kung Fu <sighs> Hustle is Chow's seventh film and as a director, and 61st job as an actor counting TV. He is 41 years old at the time, and has been busy. Um, and then another thing I wanted to point out here... I guess we're going to go back to it again because this is a comparison people love to make, myself included this time. It's like Jackie Chan and Buster Keaton meet Quentin Tarantino and Bugs Bunny. So, and that, that quote was used for promotional material really? for this movie. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah I, I, think there's, I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to what he's saying, too, about they have to be like these athletes because I, I remember – Watching this some special feature, you know, before the movies, uh, the, whatever the screen crap's called, there was for like salt or something, and they were like Angelina Jolie was doing some of her own stunts, and it's like her <laughs> jumping from like one ledge to the other, wearing like a wire outfit, and it's like okay, yeah, good, good for you, but I mean, it's not that, it's not like these guys who are, you know, how many times has Jackie Chan almost died making a movie? Yeah, it's kind of like we talked about John Wick when we did The Raid, because there was so much influence there, obviously, on John Wick from The Raid. And when I think of this comment, you know, he has that great line where he says, you know, it would look like they're being reined in by the Pequod if you put a random actor, you know, put Brad Pitt on a wire and had, you know, Brad Pitt float around, um, whereas these guys can actually pull it off. And and John Wick comes to mind, because that's really the only thing I, I can think of. And we won't even get in the Tom Cruise territory. That's a whole different well, arena. Tom Cruise, did, yeah, Tom Cruise is doing what Tom Cruise does, right? But that's the only that's the only other place I can think of where I watch Keanu Reeves do this, and I'm like, you can't give this script to an actor who's not willing to put in vigorous uh, physical, you know, hardship to get as good as he as he is at that stuff. Um, yeah, and and and, and obviously. Kung Fu artists, I'm sure Keanu would be the first to admit, are infinitely more talented than he, than he is. So, uh, yeah, but Keanu can Keanu can do some good work. Well, and he takes so much abuse. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> but but my point stands, I think, which is you. There's a line at which an action star can only be an action star and can only have as many stunt doubles as possible to a certain point. I think, and then you have to at some point be really good at what you do in that facet and be an athlete and be someone who's really willing to run and fight and do these crazy things. And in all the Kung Fu movies you guys have shown me, wow, <laughs> there are they good at that? Because <laughs> my goodness to almost everything they do action wise makes Western cinema pale in comparison. It's, I think it's a very different flavor uh, but the, I, you know, when it comes to fight scenes, I, I love I love James Bond movies. I love Daniel Craig also as Bond, but he has never had a fight scene that has ever captured me a fifth of the way. Uh, even what we talked about a little bit uh, the the Tom Cruise in the Mission Impossible movies, and Tom Cruise is a great stunt actor. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise is very good at doing incredible stunts, 
But yeah, he's, he's extremely never, committed to yeah. doing them. <laughs> he has never done a fight scene where I'm like, ah, I'm super into it. It's like, okay, yeah, they're kind of punching at each other. Great. That's fine. <laughs> it's right. funny. It, as, as we've referenced on this show many times before, first time in a while, though, it's not Matt Damon punching you with a book. Oh no! The born the born movies are an exception, I will say. <laughs> but the born movies, the fighting there is also so very different. Right, it's it's much more brute. <laughs> Whereas this is, yeah. dare I say, elegant e- even when it's style zany. and finesse, and just and so entertaining to watch. Absolutely entertaining to watch. I'm so happy we watched it. This was something that oh, was totally different than the last cu- few kung fu movies that we've watched. You, that you've brought mostly, David. I think Nicole, you brought Yip Man, maybe. So nope, nope. They've no, been that, was that was also David. Okay, so I think <laughs> Don't I'm just worry, gonna I've got martial arts movies on my list as well. I'm just, yeah, I'm just gonna leave it to you guys to keep bringing these to me. I do have my <laughs> my you know future sister in law has been begging me for months, if not like a year, to watch a movie called Hero, and I believe that's a oh, martial arts good. movie. Oh, the Jet Li one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's that's yeah. That's Jet Li's got some good, good ones. All right, maybe I'll maybe I'll follow up on my own time and watch Hero. But let's go around the table. If there's anything else we want to talk about, David, this was your pick. Is there anything we haven't touched on? Oh gosh, no. I I, I think that we we've talked about it from a very serious angle. But uh, do yourself a service and go watch this movie if it's still on Netflix when this comes out. Find it in any way that you can. You can get it for pretty cheap online uh rent it or, or buy it i think it's a movie that people should see i'll put a disclaimer and you don't have to oh go ahead david and, and you don't have to be a a martial arts film nut to enjoy it i think you can enjoy it just purely for what it is for sure and, and i'll put a disclaimer out there that if you're watching it on netflix there seems to be a lot going around david you saw this included that there's not an english subtitle available on netflix so this English subtitles are available, and not an English dub. I will oh, say that. If you're, if, you're looking, okay. if you're looking for an English dub, you'll have to try to find it elsewhere. I totally. So that's not that big of a deal. With you, I totally you. misread you on that earlier, and just decided to rent it instead. Oh well. Oh. <laughs> nope. All right. No, this is, I think this one's worth seeing with the the subtitles on, just because the actors. I agree. There's so much inflection yeah, in how they're delivering their lot. lines. Absolutely. That, you know, for, for comic effect and otherwise, that I think it's important to catch. Even if you don't understand precisely what they're saying, you still, a lot comes through. Um, I'm just wondering, I, I had a question for you guys. Did you think, is the beast's hair about just being as gross and weird as possible and then making a contrast with him being a a kung fu master or is it about looking like Gollum? (laughs) I hadn't even considered Gollum. I think that's got to be some level of influence, but I think it's just he's sort of in contrast to the landlady and landlord who are all, you know, clean and proper by that scene in the film and sing at the end by that scene in the film. I mean, the rest of the time they're wearing pajamas. Yeah. Yeah. But, (laughs) but, but they, you know, they make a point of like, he's evil. We're good. And I think they're just, they're ramping up that. I hadn't even considered Gollum though. That's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's also, you know, it's, it's also a weird thing in this movie that they, the landlady's character sometimes referred to as the fat woman. 
And I'm like, wow, Chinese people have a weird idea. Of yeah, fat. it's a very, very different. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, maybe, maybe a 10, you know, 10, <laughs> maybe a 12 in American sizes. This woman is not fat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nicole, do you have any, any final thoughts on, uh, on Kung Fu Hustle? <sighs> no, no, just it's, <laughs> it's excellent. Uh, watch this. Watch Shaolin Soccer, which is equally as delightful. The mermaid might not be everyone's cup of tea because it takes zaniness and like ramps it up even more. It has a little bit more melodrama. If you yeah. watch these two movies and really enjoy them, uh, I would say give the mermaid a shot. Yeah, but if you want to, if you want to like tone it down a little bit, I've been watching one on Netflix. I'm not quite done with it yet. Actually, I'm not sure if it's Netflix or Amazon Prime, but something called Justice My Foot, which is an earlier movie of Stephen Chow's. Um, it's like '92, something like that. Uh, that's about a you know a, a corrupt judge in a you know period piece Chinese town who just you know rules however he feels like it. Um, and that's that's kind of interesting, but I mean, there's also the melodramatic elements in it. Uh, but I would still recommend it. You know, I'd, I'd recommend going into his back catalog and seeing what you can find and what appeals to you in there because he's a, I think he's a gifted comic actor. Mm-hmm. An incredibly pro- prolific one, if anything. So um, <laughs> I will say to close out that apparently Kung Fu Panda was supposed to parody this and then took on its whole other form. I don't know how you parody this. How do you parody a parody? Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's not, I mean, this movie's not a it's parody. Not, well, I know I that it's, it's an homage, right? And we talked about that, but it, but it, yeah. but it, it does have a lot of parody esque elements and a lot of comedic value to it. I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure how you yeah, make. I'm, I'm glad they abandoned that idea. Yeah, I'm not sure how you make Jack Black a panda and then just kind of keep it in line with this movie. Um, also very glad they abandoned that. So I, I loved it. It was something totally different. I rely on you guys to bring me fun Kung Fu movies I've never seen before and new styles. And each one has been drastically different from the next. You know, again, you had Yip Man who was that felt very traditional. And then you had traditional in the sense of like, you know, they weren't fighting with guns like they were in the raid. The raid felt like John Wick, you know, which makes sense. Uh, tied those together for me. And then this just feels, man, like, Monty Python jam-packed <laughs> with all the great kung fu from the previous ones and some Brett, you got you got to watch some classic Jackie Chan movies from before he came to the states man yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get we'll get police story on here at some point yeah Although, i'd like to see that know, rumble in the bronx is definitely worth your time ooh definitely <laughs> i think the only jackie chan movie i've ever seen I think it was Rush Hour. I saw Rush Hour. Oh God! Oh boy! <laughs> no, no I, I'm not saying no, that's no, no. A bad I also movie. saw that's Shanghai funny. Noon. Oh boy! That's a little bit better in terms of like the fighting, but yeah. There's st- oh my God! We got to bring the Drunken Master movies in here. Oh, definitely. Yeah. God, I love. No, I'd love that. That'd be great. And they have the Axe Gang. So bring me more Axe Gang movies. I, I'm I'm fascinated by them for some <laughs> reason. I think they're very cool. 
Uh, well, very good, guys. Again, next week is You Did This To Us. We announced it at the beginning of the program, oh, and it'll be in the show notes. We don't know what it is right now, but you, of course, do. So be be watching that if you'd like to follow along with us. But let's go around the table one more time. Nicole Davis, where can people find you online? I take care of our Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast. I am also on Letterboxd at Nicole underscore Davis. Uh, that's pretty much it at the moment. Very good. What about you, David? Uh, people can find me around the internet under the username DavLuz. That's D-A-V-L-U-Z. So Twitter and Instagram, you can find me there. I'm also on the Movie Go Round podcast where I co-host. That's, that's this one, David. You want uh, the other one. Gosh, every time. <laughs> Broke Bot Mountain. I do this on the other one as well. Uh, on, I'm on, it's hard when you do two movie podcasts. Broke Bot Mountain <laughs> is the podcast I do with Phil Rude. Uh, in which we started out discussing Westworld, then turned into sci-fi and have gotten tired of doing bad sci-fi movies. So we're now doing whatever we want. <laughs> yeah, so find that. Love it. I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a Phil Rude shirt. I'll, I'll, uh, I, I know it's lost on audio listeners, but definitely go ahead yes. and search <laughs> this is an audio. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's something about writing and goat. On his shirt. It's a, it's a, it's a writing goat. goat, and it's a goat that's having a coffee and I think a cigarette while typing at a typewriter. Yeah. So Guys, look up Phil Rude, Phil Rude, the artist guy. The artist guy on, on Amazon. He's got a bunch of stuff. He's a friend of the show. Uh, you can find yeah. me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. You can email the show hi at mgrpodcast.com. You can find all these links, social dot mgrpodcast.com the last thing i'm going to plug here is please rate us on itunes and stitcher i this yes. is going to be a whole movement now because itunes doesn't exist anymore the entire podcasting community is going to have to stop saying I mean, rate me on itunes apple podcast rate us though, on right? app right, it's apple podcast so right if you're mourning the death I don't know of itunes how- effective that will be but i mean the number of reviews will make it more likely for people to find us yeah it helps it helps 100 percent. it helps we've seen a couple more come in recently and you know we've had some people write in in various capacities so please keep doing that we will read whatever you have to say on the show and additionally if you put reviews on there that does help pe- funnel people into this channel especially for you did this to us weeks where there are a ton of people voting and subjecting us to their crazy whims which is what we are going to be doing next week so that'll do it for myself david nicole we'll see you next week for whatever it is you did to us 